At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to The Takeoff Show. If you want to take off in your career, your finances, and your mindset, then this podcast is for you. Wherever you are in the world, do enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of The Takeoff Series. I've got a special guest in the building. This is actually somebody that I actually know personally in real life. A first guest that I actually know personally in real life. Uh, so his name is Damala. I'm actually going to let you introduce yourself. On this show, I do it a little bit different to other podcasts. Other podcasts like to introduce the people, but I like the people to introduce themselves. So, Damola, yeah, hit them so, up. Man. Who are you? Yes, yes, people. My name is Damola. I'm a copywriter, creative, journalist, all these like, things in between. Just here to talk life, money, and business. Let's go. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, on this podcast, I always ask the most random question at the start, right? So, what's your worst financial mistake that you've made? Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was in your book. I don't think I caught that in your no, book, but we'll talk a little bit you know about what? your book as well in a little bit. We'll loop back to that, but this is actually a massive part of the book in, in, in this first place anyway, so... I think it was in 2015, just when I got my first job, I was working at a small charity. Mm-hmm. I can't lie. Like, I was fresh out of my master's. Obviously, I said, Martin, you're buzzing. I was like, yeah, yeah this is my time. And again, to advertising, and be doing all these campaigns, like buzzing. And then I'm doing applications, 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 crickets, getting airtime. The only company that <laughs> came back to me for a full-time job, not internships, because they were internships, but... I needed money, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the only company that came back to me was this very small charity um, in Houston called, uh, I don't even say the name, but anyways, it was about a really random thing and it was very, very small. It was run by like really, really posh uh, like rainbows and it was just not really for me, but mm-hmm. I needed the cash, I needed the experience. So I feel like everything in life at that point was kind of up and down and there was opportunity to move out so I moved in with one of our boys and then some of our other friends and moved to a house in Finsbury Park. And that was all good. I was earning just about enough to kind of, you know, be mobile. I think it was like 23k at that time, which is mad. But that was the money and I could pay my rent. It was about £800 in total, including bills. But like I said, I wasn't enjoying the job. 
and I've never yeah. with people who enjoyed their jobs. Now, I wasn't okay. somebody, I'm not like a jealous guy or nothing. So when mm-hmm. I see my people winning or enjoying, like I'm enjoying with them, I'm winning with them. Mm-hmm. But it was just getting me down because I'm very impatient. I'm like, man, yeah. I need to be, what is this, man? I'm just too lit for this shit. Like, what the fuck is going on? So basically, I handed in my notice at this job mm-hmm. without having another job lined up. I was wow. taking a bet on myself. Taking a oh big God. bet on myself, having been tied down into a rental contract with Foxton's, by the way. So you know what they're on already. Mm-hmm. Foxton's and then leaving my job. And as you can imagine, it turned into a madness. Now, with that said, as difficult as that was, and it you know stands out, no doubt, the worst financial mistake I've made. The lessons I learned from that, you can't pay for those lessons because those lessons are what brought me to where I am and like you know the journey like all of it I would I'll do it all over again because the lessons and everything I took from that was just so powerful you know what I'm saying so yeah definitely the worst financial mistake I've ever made but and contributed to my hairline fading too but <laughs> with, <laughs> on the plus oh, side man. it gave me a lot of lessons I needed to learn a lot of things you know what I'm saying I feel like I tried to better myself yes I was 23 or 24 at the time whatever just finished my masters. I was feeling this, feeling that. Cool, like, you know. I fucked up, but it's fine because I needed that. And everything I took from it, I still carry with me now in terms of how I approach life, how I approach work, how I approach money, like everything. So now I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for it still. Yeah, you know what? I think people think you have to be perfect in life. At the end of the day, you're young for a reason. You're inexperienced for a That's... reason. You weren't taught about any of these things, and like you said most times you learn from your mistakes at the end of the day the reason why i'm doing what i'm doing is because i had massive mistakes i did in the past like some of the Mm. worst things i've had in like my financial life if we if you want to call it so i definitely definitely relate with it i want to circle back to your first job because i I remember reading about it in in your Mm. book um so your first job you you know you describe what it was like working there i want to understand like how did you like decide from there that you wanted to go into copywriting, uh, working for a charity? Okay. Well, the thing is, it was, like I say, it was really small and the role was like a very general digital marketing position. So it kind of included all the stuff you expected, like digital marketing, yeah. social media, but mm-hmm. PPC, AdWords, like SEO, all of that stuff. Um, and what kind of happened was obviously... I kind of didn't know exactly which lane I wanted to be in, but I knew mm-hmm. I was good with words in it and I knew I, yeah. you know, I was good at coming up with ideas and things like that. So I thought, okay, cool. This lane makes a lot of sense. I kind of led the role to work in my favor based on what I wanted to do next. Like I say, because it was a small place, I had a lot of freedom to kind of do what I wanted. So I guess that was kind of like a good thing where I could come up with stuff and I could use my other skills, like video editing skills, and like Photoshop skills, and come up with campaigns and all that stuff. So I kind of just made it work for me um, as best as possible in, in yeah. that environment. But I guess the difference is when you're like a creative person, mm-hmm. you have to have passion for your, what you're doing in yeah. a way that you do it for free. You feel me? Yeah. And, you know, I just wasn't passionate. Even though I was getting paid, obviously, I wasn't passionate. I was willing to go broke, willing to leave a life of relative, like, you know, comfort having yeah. been renting and paying in London and that I was willing to leave all of that to take a <laughs> risk on this thing that I did feel passion for. Do you feel me? Yeah. So 
it's it's like like a twofold approach. You could easily stay in one lane, and I could have stayed there for however long. That's what my family were telling me: stay there for another year, build, yeah. build, build. Like you'll be fine, get more experience, you know. And I just said nah, man, because I knew it just wasn't connecting with me for me. So mm-hmm. I think it was good for me to learn um, kind of the basics. And one of the the ladies there, she was like a former journalist at the Times, so she actually helped me quite a lot kind of okay. knowing how to write for audiences and structure okay. and like how to write journalistically and all these things like so there were benefits of course but it wasn't the end game for me and like i said I was, i'm an impatient guy so i wanted it even, i was even more impatient then at 23 yeah like i wanted it asap before me so yeah like that pivot it kind of took a long long time to kind of make a lot of sense basically i went from the charity into like tech for a while, a couple of startups, and it was rocky, man. There was times I was freelancing, but I wasn't really freelancing. I was kind of in between things. But obviously, I had to keep it as freelance because of the LinkedIn and that, and the, and the times and the dates of employment, <laughs> and all these things, and all these different hustles, bro. Like one month contract here, one month contract here. Wow. Working at an insurance company where I'm writing about tractor insurance and how to insure cows and that. All this oh random, disparate <laughs> nonsense, bro. Like the stuff you think. You look at what you know what I'm doing now, you think, how were you doing that before? But it all makes sense because experience mm-hmm. is key. Do you know what I mean? And exactly. the more experience you get, the more varied your experience as well. The better um a professional or creative or whatever you are that you'll be because you're more well rounded. You feel me? You're exposed to more, you've kind of had to understand more things like it's better for you in the end, but where when you're going through it, can't lie, it can be head loss, bro. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. That you said a lot. You know what, yeah, I wanna actually like dial back, dial, dial back a bit because mm. I had to Google what a copywriter was, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like, I did, I did, yeah, I had to Google. I was like, what's a copywriter do? Because when you think about copyright, you think about the legal, right? You think about the legal, oh, you know, your terms and conditions um, or copyright, like content and stuff like that. But so can you explain and give a summary of what a copywriter does? And also, how did you find that career path? How did you find, okay okay, I don't want to be a designer. I want to be a copywriter. Explain that to the people. Yeah, being a copywriter is essentially you're selling products through words. That's that's it. Like you're selling products, you're selling ideas, you're selling something with words. But it's also, there's a twofold approach. That's like the corporate, the commercial idea of what copy is. Mm -hmm. You have to use your words to make people do something. And then on the other side, it's also kind of, how do you like merge words and pictures in a way that people can understand quite easily? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that is for me the ultimate difficulty of, of being a copywriter is finding that balance between something that makes sense from a written perspective and then also makes you see imagery as well at the same time. And then yeah. that also balances what the company's goals are. Like when you add all mm-hmm. these things together, it becomes quite a difficult like cocktail of something that to many people they may they may not be able to kind of grasp but when you yeah. see it in action see campaigns you see billboards you get it you know what i'm saying okay okay mm. okay okay that that makes sense you know what when you were speaking i was immediately thinking about an advert that sticks to my memory right now you probably remember it um it was the ole advert ronaldo i think ronaldinho Ronaldo, oh, Henri, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sticks to me because it makes you feel something. Like I'm a massive like football fan, and it makes you yeah. feel something. And 
to me, even though it's an advert, it didn't seem like tacky. It didn't seem like they were trying to sell me something, but they were. They were, they were selling me football. They were selling me Nike or, or whatever that is. But it made me feel and want to go and, you know, get those trainers, get that football. Um, so do copywriters get involved in, in things like that as well? Yeah, bro. Like, the thing about being a copywriter is it's such a very, um, uh, what's it, career, really. Because like I said, when I was working at the charity, I was yes, digital marketing. Then I went into copywriting through insurance. And over there, I was a business-to-business copywriter where I was writing for businesses and writing for other businesses to buy from our business. You know what I'm saying? So there's different roles. There's B2C where you're writing to customers, which is what you just explained. So the Ole advert was a B2C ad, which is the more fun stuff. But B2B is more corporate. That's where you find copywriters in places like Deloitte and KPMG and PwC. And like big firms always want a B2B writer who can be more, what's the word I'm looking for? More, it's kind of in the box, you know, more controlled with a bit of flair, but more about the function. Whereas in B2C, okay. it's more about the form. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you said, something that makes you want to get up and buy something, makes you want to get yeah, up and do yeah, something yeah. different. You know what I'm saying? That's the exciting stuff. So that's where I am now. I've done the other side as well, which, like okay. I said, it made me a better writer. But in terms of how I got into copy, it's, I don't, it's an interesting one because obviously being Nigerian, mm-hmm. it's all about one or two, three lanes max. You've got a doctor, yeah. you've got a lawyer, <laughs> you've got an engineer. Mm-hmm. And that's yep, literally what that's my it. family set up is. Amongst my siblings, mm-hmm. there's a doctor, there's a lawyer, and they wow. expected me to be the engineer. And okay. it made a lot of sense, because when I was a kid, I was always breaking things down and putting them mm-hmm. together. Breaking things down, putting them together. I always loved science, always good at science. So it kind of made sense. But as I got older, and again, similar to the charity, the passion wasn't there for a, yeah. a route in engineering or a route in law. I'd seen it before. I'd seen all of these, you know, lawyers and engineers are surrounded by them all the time at home. And yeah. I thought, well, I can see things a bit different. So I'm going to go cut out my lane instead. You feel yeah. me? So I was watching Mad Men one time. And mm-hmm. that was pretty typical because obviously it's all about advertising. And I was like, well, yeah. like, in the background, I was like, because there's actually a job for this. This is what this thing is called. But I've always wondered, what is it? And I was like, well, it's called copyright. And I was like, all right, cool. And I must have been in maybe second or third year of uni at that point. I was like, well, cool. So let me like dial into this. And I did start doing research and it just kind of snowballed into something, you know what I'm saying? From like a really little thing into like yeah. a really big thing. Wow, 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 wow. That is that is crazy. You know what? I love I love Mad Men. I haven't finished it. I think I'm it's on cold, season, two, season two. But yeah. Oh, season two. Yeah, yeah I know. You know what? It's because Netflix took it off. They took it it's off. On they, yeah. Yeah. They yeah, they they yeah, they they took the mic, to be honest. I was watching it, I was like, enjoying it. Then they just took it off. Like, it's crazy, like, how you learn about advertising. Um, I think one of my favourite episodes was the one about, um, I think, smoking. Because I think back then, okay. smoking wasn't a big deal. It was normal to smoke. No, it's and then how they had the um, scientific results saying, actually, smoking's bad for your lung and how they had to pivot that. It's, it's really yeah. interesting. Like, could you yeah. like believe, like, mar- making marketing so, like, um, interesting? Um, it's funny that you were saying about the career path because for me, I had to be either a lawyer or doctor. (laughs) And I'm neither of those. I did a law degree, but I was like, nah, 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 nah. That's definitely, definitely not for me. (laughs) Trust me. Oh, man. The traditional Nigerian attitude is there is one, two or three roles or opportunities Mm -hmm. and job paths for the kids to have in it. Standard. Nothing else exists. Everything else is play. Nothing Mm -hmm. else is serious. 
And I think as time's gone on, we're, we're at a point where we're seeing so much creativity coming from Nigeria. Like, you know, they can't be the same way anymore. The parents are changing, the attitude's changing. Nigerians are running music globally. Like, that kind of tells you what creativity you can do if you embrace it. You feel me? Exactly. So I feel like our kids will be very different because we've come from, you know, our parents are like, no, nah, you've got to do this, got to do that. But with us... <laughs> We've had to rebel, you feel me? Like, yeah. Graft into 100%. our own lanes, graft into our own hustles, and then they see the results when the money comes. But then exactly. it's different <laughs> when you have children because <laughs> you can create the environment for them from the start because you've been there, you feel me? So, yeah, yeah man, I think it's going to be it's gonna be a sick like next generation of Nigerians coming through considering the world. Yeah, that, I'm like, looking really forward to it. Definitely, I'm definitely. And I agree with you about the creativity. I think... It is about like, you know, forming your own lane and try and do new things, learn new things. Like me, I didn't even, I didn't really, I wasn't that interested in finance in my early 20s. It's only when I started, you know, wanting to learn more about it towards my late 20s to mid 30s that I found a passion for it. And you can find new passions in things at any point in your life. You just have to just be open minded, really. But um, what, so triggered, really... what triggered that for you, though? What triggered for me? The interest, oh, man. Like, the journey. Uh, for me, it was I wanted. I knew I wanted to buy a property. Okay. Um, I also before that I was in debt. Um, I had bad credit, and I was like, "Look, yeah. I tell you, you got to sort it out. You got to sort out your credit. Yeah. You got to sort out, you know, being in debt." So that was like the first step, like getting myself out of debt, um, improving my credit score. Once I did that, and I started saving like a decent amount, I was like, "Okay, I've got all this money." A bank account. I'm bored Jeez. of it being in my bank Come account. <laughs> like I need to learn something. I need to do something. Yeah. So gradually from there, I started learning about investing. I started doing this. I bought property, and then it just snowballed from there. I just continued yeah. like learning more about things. And then there's a whole community. You find that there's this whole community of people that are passionate about investing yeah. in stocks, property. And you're like, wow. Like how have I missed that on? All of this, and yeah, man, Bro, you were spitting games the other day, man. You gave, you gave me the, the flipping index funds to invest in. I was looking, I was thinking, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. How am I missing the elephant in the room? I got this fountain of knowledge over here, you can let me know what's <laughs> going on, man. No, I appreciate that, bro. But I really no, think it's important, good. though, man. So you're, you're yeah. doing good work, bro. Just keep Thank on, you, bro. Still. Thank you, bro. It's 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 one of those things like, like a lot of people don't realize how important it is until you know you make a mistake. Um, mm. And I think one of the reasons why I actually wanted to do this episode with you was because I feel like your journey is very inspirational. Um, and we're going to reveal it bit by bit. That's, yeah, that's why I think it's very inspirational. And it's something that you can apply at different areas of your life, career, you know, starting your own business or your finance, anything like that. So that's reason for, for you know, doing this pod. So I wanted to dial back to your first like copywriting job. Yeah. What was it and what sort of copywriting job was it and what was like some of your first campaigns? First proper proper one. Well, because it took okay, let me like break it down, yeah. There's a route, even in like the creative field, there's a route to get into advertising and being a copywriter and that you can go to ad school where you study advertising at uni if you want, and then you go to like and advertising school and then you get internship and you go from there but okay. all of those things I kind of forego because again I went more the traditional route did the bachelor's mm-hmm. then did a master's and then from there I was like okay where do I go now so at that point I was thinking about how to 
you know, like turn my ideas into like advertising concepts. So I'd already been writing like, ads of my own to try and get into internships and stuff. And slowly, like I built a portfolio that I kind of just developed myself. Um, and then I got to a point where I think after I left that insurance company, Talgate Insurance, is when I started freelancing for agencies. And that's when my first um, like actual copywriting gigs came along. And I think that was in 2015, 2016. Okay. So, yeah, it was around that time. The first campaign I worked on was one for Nokia. And okay. they like returned. Wow, yeah, that was, well, it was a big brand. But because Nokia had sold the actual brand to some Chinese company, they sold the name mm. to a Chinese company. So okay. they started building Nokia phones based on like, old models and all that stuff. And they were bringing back the 3310 back into the European market. <laughs> okay. Yeah, bro. They brought it back. What? With Snake, well. With Snake too, boy. Snake was on there. Wow. The yeah, that's a legendary <laughs> game. That is a legendary <laughs> game. Nobody's managed to replicate it. I don't get it. I nah, don't get it. Man. Because I don't like playing games on my iPhone because I feel like yeah. they're so advanced. I might as well play on a console. You feel me? Yeah. Like, yeah I like yeah. the basic, easy, simple games on the go. Mm-hmm. Instead of like a big like Final Fantasy thing on the trailer, like, it's a bit exciting. But um, yeah, so Nokia, that was the first one, like talking about their return. And with that, it was just with copywriting, you give concepts, you write concepts, and yeah. some of them get taken and some of them don't. So it's all down to the client at the end of the day. And what I found is, I'll get to this later on in the conversation, at that early point in my journey, I was like, yes, finally getting copywriting. I was writing these things. But they weren't going anywhere. They weren't converting. Okay. They weren't being turned into ads. They weren't getting pushed. Really? A lot, yeah, bro. This is where it gets wow. a bit more. This is like the darker side of it, where when you're a black copywriter now, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like a thing where they bring you in because obviously, yes, you can do the job. You've got ability. Mm. But then they don't back you all the way. You know what I'm saying? They might do wow. like 60, 70%. They think maybe bringing you in and letting you have you know, split your ideas and be in the environment mm. is enough. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Yes, that was the first like copywriting campaign I did for an agency, but it didn't like ever see the light of day like that. From my oh, words, gosh. anyways. You know what I'm wow. saying? So it was kind of bittersweet. You know what I mean? Where I was mad excited that you're finally an agency. And that was when I was more naive and I thought an agency is like the creative mecca, which is what yeah. a lot of people think. And again, I'll get into this later on. So it was kind of like, yeah, man, like I say, bittersweet. I'm buzzing, I got the role, but then a bit kind of pissed off because it didn't go nowhere. I was like, all right, cool, that's the first one, fine, I'm in an agency, I'm learning. Then after that, I actually went to a branding agency and I had an experience that, again, I wrote about it in the book, but it's an experience that really, really changed the game for me because I had an opportunity Mm -hmm. to shadow a copywriter who, for me, and just a writer in general, a person who I still think might be the best writer I've ever met. Maybe the best really? person at the wow. job that I've ever met. She okay. was incredible at what she did. But I was able to take a lot away from her, even though that experience was still the same as the last one, where I was writing on yeah. campaigns, but they weren't seeing the light of day. Writing for Iron Brew, writing for M&M's, writing for Heinz, all these brands, but wow. none of them were seeing the light of day. So then oh I started gosh. thinking, like, what the hell is going on here? Like, I'm putting in graft. I'm putting in effort. I know I'm good. You feel me? Why is my work not going live? Mm-hmm. And it was after that experience at the agency where I said, you know what? I need to change my direction because in my mind, something had switched where I think prior to that, I was trying hard 
to write what the agency wanted as opposed to okay. writing what I wanted. You feel me? I wasn't, yeah. I was tapping into what they wanted, not what, what I wanted. So okay. when I left the agency, as you've spoken about, you know, I started doing more spoken work. I started doing my own more personal writing. I started doing more, yeah. like, making short films and this and that. Just kind of developing my own writer's voice instead of yeah. trying to develop a voice that a brand thinks is good. You feel me? Yeah. So I was, I was kind of stopped looking for the validation of agencies and the validations of the commercial world and started looking at yeah. validating my own pen myself. Yeah. You feel me? So yeah. when that pivot started, I mean, bro, I can't even look back now. It's, it's been such a massive sea change. And it was always the thing that I needed to do. I didn't know at the time, but I look back and I realized that kind of having those experiences where I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing, and I'm doing good work, but none of it's getting any love. And then saying, you know what? Fuck these guys. I'm going to start writing for myself. Mm-hmm. Ironically, when I started writing for me, that's when brands wanted to tap into my style. You feel me? Okay. So I think... What happened was I was kind of trying to jump over this stuff almost where I was yeah. like, right, okay, fine. I'm in, I want to work with brands. Let me do it. I was trying to write for them where the actual approach is you should write so well that the brands approach you. And okay. that's kind of what happened. And that's okay. kind of what's continued to happen. You feel me? Yeah. So, yeah, man, it was a massive, it's kind of like when Kanye West was trying to get into the fashion industry, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, yo, man, you ain't got the answers, man. <laughs> he was like, Sway, Sway saying, what? why don't you do this? Like, you don't understand. Like, I'm trying. Mm. I'm trying. I'm trying. And no one's giving mm. me a chance. So yeah. I understood. Like, and Kanye West is a massive inspiration for me, isn't it? But yeah. I got it in, in a deeper way when I had that experience. I was like, Ross, so this is what Kanye felt like. We are shouting, shouting, shouting. No one's listening. So wow. then what you do is you twist it up and you take it backwards. You say, you know what? Fuck it. You look inwards. Look at what you are. Mm-hmm. Look at what you're trying to achieve. And you start trying to satisfy your own goals, you feel me, before yeah. trying to satisfy a brand's goals. Because really, the brands don't care about you. They care about mm-hmm. what you can bring. And you yeah. can bring more when you know what you're bringing, if that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's, you know, it's been, and there's so much more I can say, but for, you know, like, the purposes of saving time, I try and be, like, more clear about it. Just mm-hmm. taking control and taking responsibility of my own development in, from that moment. And kind of yeah. not wanting a company to kind of almost have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I almost thought it was the way you're meant to feed your work, you feed the ideas into company. Nah, yeah. you're meant to feed the ideas for yourself first. And then the companies come calling. If I knew that earlier on, it would have been a different game. But like I say, man, happy, happy to the way things have gone. And you can't beat learning, bro. You just can't. Exactly. You know what? I think it is. I think whenever you start your career and you're inexperienced, it's going to take you some time to pick up things and you don't necessarily have that confidence because you don't know where your path is yet. You haven't established that path. But once you've got the experience, you know what you're doing and you know Mm -hmm. you're good. You just exude confidence to the point of what you said that the brands are coming to you. But where right. I feel like when you start your, your career, and this is for any career, you're trying to please somebody else because exactly you don't know what you're doing. You're like, oh, no. like, am I good enough? You're trying to get that validation. But once yeah. you've got that validation and you keep on getting that validation, you no longer need it. You're like, I know I'm good. Simple. So in yeah. fact, I'm so good. I'm just going to do what I need to do for, for myself, which is, is great. Like some people don't even recognize that. They just do what other people do. They don't, they're not comfortable in themselves. They're not comfortable in their skin. I actually wanted to yeah. digress a little bit. 
You know your story of where you said that you were trying so, with so many brands and it did uh, see the light of day. It reminded me, I don't know if you watched um, a series on Netflix called Hollywood, right? Uh, so no, it's a series it's called, it's, it's Hollywood. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's fictional. Um, okay. And it's set like back in the days, maybe 1950s, 60s, I think around okay. then. There's a black guy. He's a writer, yeah. right? Yeah. Hollywood. And he writes a play. But he doesn't put his name on it. He puts a, a white oh, guy's name on it. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and then and then yeah, and then it gets it gets taken, and then they mm. find out that it's um, a black guy, but he's not allowed to say that he wrote it. <laughs> so it really reminded me of that when you said that. I was like, that is that is nuts. But you know, I want to believe that definitely now that there is more room for black creatives you know, mm. as you are, are showing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's going to be people behind you that's going to definitely take inspiration um, from you. So, yeah, that journey is, is is so crazy. So I just wanted to understand, like, so you know that process of you copywriting, so, like, for Nokia, what is that yeah. process like? Can you just take us through it from, like, step one to, to the end of it? Okay. So it usually starts with a brief, in it? Good brands or good clients or good um, like good campaigns always have a strong brief. So yeah. they come along and they ask what they need from you guys. There's usually more than one copywriter. Sometimes yeah. it's just one super stressed copywriter in it. He's just rattled. But they come along with the work, yeah? And you have to interpret their briefs now. So say they just want something simple, like you want a couple of short lines to run on social media or to run with like some, some uh, graphics we have. Something simple. Mm-hmm. You kind of just take the brief. Um, you start kind of batting ideas around, like throwing ideas about, thinking about how you want to talk about this thing. Um, and then you kind of just develop concepts from there. In it, it's quite. Every writer has their own approach, but there's no writer that will tell you copywriter anyway that will tell you that good work comes without a brief. You need a solid brief. When you have good okay. direction, good work follows in it. Okay. So it always starts like that. Now, it all depends on what kind of work they're looking for. If they're looking for a long-form piece of work, then you're going to have more time to deliver it. Or if they have short deadlines, then you might be there all night. If they're looking okay. for... The irony is, though, the the shorter pieces take longer to write because they take really? the most... Yeah, they take the most condensing of thought. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Where if they want a tagline, they want something on the on, uh, out-of-home advert, on the tube or something. You okay. need something that's smart, and snappy but mm-hmm. to get to that point where you kind of condense the idea down into something people can see in like 10 words and say right six or even less five words it yeah. takes ages because you have to do rewrites after rewrites after rewrites to kind of bring your big idea down into something small. yeah um something that sounds good as well something that's easy to kind of replicate and that people won't get confused by so yeah, it always starts with a brief, and then you've got to decide how you want to attack the brief. Like, if it's a longer okay. piece, then cool. You want to write something more journalistic. And if it's like a shorter kind of advertising-led work, then you know you're going to need more time to think and come up with concepts. Um, and then there's scripts as well. Like, if you're writing a video script, then you might need wow. to interview people, or if you need to, you know, if you're writing a flipping, like, a radio script. Because there's adverts everywhere, bro. Filming mm-hmm. like, and all kinds of things you're seeing that advert TV, radio, like mobile, obviously, like it's a massive mm-hmm. thing now. 
Um, so yeah, it all depends on the brief first and then the medium, and then you kind of decide how you want to tackle that. Wow, 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 wow. That is insane. So from my understanding, <laughs> you get that brief. Yeah. So for instance, I, I think I remember it in your book, I think it was, I think it was Coca-Cola. So Coca-Cola oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. will give you a, a brief to say yeah. they want to do an advert advertising their Coke, maybe Santa Claus at Christmas or something like that, right? They'll give you a brief. You go off, you go and read that, you'll do some research, you'll try and yeah. come up with some concepts on a whiteboard, depending on what type it is, if it's long form, short form. And then after that, do you spin out different ideas to them to get them to decide what it is? Or do you just come with one thing and say, okay, this, we want, we recommend this one solution? Well, I mean, I've only ever seen that happen in Mad Men, bro. Only Don Draper does okay. come up with one okay. concept and that's <laughs> it. You, the thing about that is it's, it's a high risk, high reward um, kind of situation yeah. where you can have, and the thing is, it depends in it. I've had situations where I've just come up with one thing and think, you know what? It's the only thing in my brain. And it's the only mm-hmm. thing I feel like communicates what you guys want and what yeah. I think makes sense. So in those situations, fine, you deliver one thing and if it goes, it goes. But what that does is it kind of limits, because what you want, the thing about creativity is the more options you have, the more insights yeah. you can get. So yeah. you might come up with 10 things and mm-hmm. you might think one of them sick. But then somebody else says, actually, nah, you like number two, but they like number seven. And you're like, nah, but number seven, shit. But then they're yeah. telling you, they're the client. They're telling you, we like number seven. So you say, okay, fine, you go away. You develop number seven into something that works for you, works for them. And then you move forward. But if you only went to them with number two and they didn't like number two, you're going to have to yeah. go back again, scrap number two and start thinking about more options again. Okay. So it always serves you better to have a number of ideas. I always like to come up with at least three. You feel me? Okay. I think it's a nice, like, solid number where I always, they'll either like one or they'll either like two of them. They'll only miss on one of them. You feel me? So I always get one at least when I come up with three ideas. But um, okay. coming up with just one, like I say, bro, high risk, high reward. You've got to know yeah. that's going to land for the client. You feel me? You've got, yeah. If you know the client inside out, you know exactly what they like. If you know, you know, if you know exactly how they, they want to approach the campaign, then fine. But for me, I think a safer bet is always to come up with a couple of additional. Because they'll see something you don't see. Like, you can never yeah. underestimate the power of your own ability. Like, if you come up with more, somebody might see something in, in something you think is shit. They might think it's sick. And then you go away and you're like, actually, no, they're right. This does work. You feel me? And you come up with something different. So it's always more interesting that way. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that. Yeah, that's crazy. You know what? I feel like there's so many synergies between, you know, copywriting and I guess content creation to that point. Because oh, I think I remember that. seeing somewhere create. I can't. I think it was on. Oh, it was one of these business um, Instagram channels where the guy was pitching copywriting, and I wasn't. I didn't really um, focus on it at that time. But he was saying for anything that you do in life, said if you want your business to grow or you want to do anything on social media, you need to understand like you know, how to write, like copywriting. Yeah. And it's so true because, you know, Twitter, Twitter's all writing. You're just writing and that's how you're that's getting it. followers because people think what you're writing is compelling, is witty, yeah. smart, dry humor, whatever it is. Yeah. Same with like Instagram when you're writing your captions. Sometimes it's, it's the caption that gets people, not even the picture oh, that gets somebody to like or comment listen, and stuff like that. You know like Hackney's that. Finest? Hackney's Finest mm-hmm. built his whole brand off the yeah. back of stupid captions. Those captions are too yeah. dumb, bro. And yeah, you know the hashtags. Like, <laughs> it's the hashtags. You 
copy yeah. is a copywriter because he knows mm-hmm. exactly how to write something that gets exactly. a response from his audience. It's creative, exactly. it's topical, it kind of works in tandem with the content. It kind of furthers out the joke as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like when people say, when something funny happens, right? And then somebody's laugh makes it funnier. That's what those captions mm-hmm. do. You feel yeah. me? You know when somebody's got that laugh that makes something, that wasn't even that funny, very funny. You feel me? That's oh the power gosh. of copywriting right there. Yeah. You can extend their meaning or something or the truth in something in a different way and make people kind of engage with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 definitely powerful and it's something that I'm trying to definitely improve on my writing ability. So I wanted to actually talk about FIFA. So you, you mm. moved to FIFA. How how long have you been there for now? Just hit the um one year anniversary now, but in July. Yeah, so last month for a year. Okay, so tell the people how did that come about? Because FIFA is is a well, massive organization. <laughs> Everybody knows FIFA. There's not one person that you'll say to FIFA. They, they'll never say to you what is. Trust that. me, bro. Now, people, it's it, it's a bit mad. But one thing I'll say like off the bat is always network. Like always, mm-hmm. always, always network. Because basically, I got this. I got the opportunity. Well, not I got it, but I kind of was boosted into applying for the opportunity because I met a girl who worked for, she still works at FIFA, she worked at EA. Mm-hmm. And at my last company, we had EA as one of our clients and they offered out mm-hmm. a, a pitch day um, okay. to, to go and watch the first game of, I think it was two seasons ago now, the first game, two seasons ago at Spurs. So Spurs Aston okay. Villa. And they're like, whoever responds first to the email gets to go to Spurs. And I was like, cool, why not? So I did that. Okay. One of the first got the tickets, went to the went to Spurs Stadium. It was sick, sick time. Had it in the box. Had a nice restaurant. They had a, got a sick restaurant on the top of the stadium. In it, good day out. At the top of the pandemic, I'd hit like a year and a half in my last company, and I was ready for a new challenge. Like I said earlier, it was B two B work. It was business to business. I was writing for clients like NatWest, National Rail, Lloyd's, like quite stuffy, like suit and tie, like a bit boring in the business crowd. I was bored of it. So I saw an opportunity at FIFA open up. They were looking for just a writer. That was, that was it. Yeah. Really, this all and that was just writer across the whole brand. Like, oh, okay, interesting. But the caveat was, it was only a four-month contract. Okay. So I was like, okay, so I'm, in, I'm at the other place now where, and I was having other interviews with other companies yeah. that were offering permanent roles. I had an offer as well, but the job was all right. The company was okay, but it wasn't FIFA. It wasn't a company yeah. or, a bro- or a product that I've grown up with or... Something that has big relevance for me in it. So I was like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to do what I did back in 2014 when I left my job without a job and was renting. I'm going to roll the dice, dice again, man. Fuck it. I'm mistakes. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, you got to roll the dice even, sometimes, man. You know what? I was rolling the dice from a position of strength this time. Yeah. Boom. So the result was even, was way better. So I know I go there and I can get strong and passionate. Like, let's go. So I did it. Had one interview, fired me, she did the referral thing, had another interview, um, did a written task, you know, like pulled over it for days as well. I'd written it like three days earlier, but I was just reading and re-editing, wow. re-editing, re-editing, just trying to get it as tight as possible. Um, sent that up, had the last interview, and it all went quiet for a while. I was like, oh, and now these American wow. companies work in it, so I was just there like, I'd say, man, need a response, need a response. And then I think it was a late on like a Thursday afternoon, the hiring manager was like, listen, you know, really love what you did. You think you know, got all the passion, you got the ability, like, want to bring you in? I'm like, 
Wow. Let's that's big. fucking go. Let's fucking go. Because what that was, it was kind of like the first kind of pillar in a journey of, mm-hmm. of vindication in many ways. Because yeah. there were so many ups and downs on that journey where companies would take me on, but they wouldn't trust me enough to deliver yeah. the work that I knew I could deliver. And it was the yeah. first time that a big brand had actually seen what I could do and they respected mm-hmm. it and said, fine, we'll take you you want. We want to bring you in. But that's even the beginning of, you know, this <laughs> this moment. Four-month contract. In the first uh, interview with the head of marketing, he's like, listen, this is only a four-month contract. If you yeah. want it to be a four-month contract, I said, oh, okay. cool. Calm then, let's go. So from the moment I got that go-ahead to say, listen, if you pattern up, you can do whatever you want here. I said, fine, let's fucking go, bro. And from that moment on, it's just been up, 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 bro. It's been the best, hands down, the best uh, moment in my career, hands down, the best job I've had. And the wow. maddest part of it is, the way I know um, this is aligned with God's plan is because mm-hmm. all of this good stuff has happened mm-hmm. remotely. Bro, I've not met. We've had moments okay. we're meant to meet up for... Yeah, we're meant to meet up for like a drink or like a football match at Stamford Bridge, but that got cancelled because mm-hmm. of COVID. So mm-hmm. I haven't met anybody I work with, even the UK guys who I'm mad cool with. I haven't met none of them face to face. It's all been remote. Course, and that kind of yes. feeds into this moment of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost like fate. You feel me? Where it's all just mm-hmm. worked out perfectly. So yeah, there's that. And there was a four month contract. And then obviously they liked the work. I did the web page yeah. launching Kylian Mbappe. And then I did this okay. and that and that. Wow, Kylian Mbappe. Wow. And all these things. I did probably my first week. It said, look, we want you to write the bio on Mbappe's journey. Um, really? From, yeah, bro, from the start to wow. being on the cover of FIFA 21. So I said, that is go, so interesting. And the funny wow, thing is, wow. bro, that's definitely, because you can tell, you can tell when somebody, when a writer's charged mm-hmm. up in it. And when I, whenever I look back at that piece, I always look back and I always remember how inspired I was at the time. And it always mm-hmm. gives me more fire because it still stands out as one of the best things I've ever written. When I look at the blend of, you know when like sports people, athletes look back at performances and say, that was yeah. my best game, that was my best match. That's no doubt one of my best pieces of work. And obviously I'm going to surpass it, but for now, mm-hmm. bro, and you can tell, it's because I was inspired, bro. it's because I was charged up, because I was ready for this moment that I've been building up towards for a very long time. Wow, that is, yeah, that's man. crazy. You know what, I want to delve bro. a bit more into like FIFA, if- Obviously, if possible, if you can talk about yeah, the campaign. So you you done a campaign for Kylian Mbappe. They gave you a brief. Was this? You said this was for FIFA Twenty One. Yeah, it? bro. Because you know he was on okay, the FIFA he's 20. a cover star now. He's a he's cover. A cover. Star. Okay, okay. Couple of Fifas, and it was just talking about his journey from you know okay. just being a kid who loved football into being mm-hmm. a World Cup winner and a cover star of FIFA Twenty One, and that was like my first two days, bro. And, wow. Um, yeah that's insane so what's the process like that for like what what like yeah like what did you have to to do for it Uh, you had to you know write the cover you you had to do actual research on Mbappe as well um and then you had to present it back to to your bosses basically that's it you've literally kind of like nailed it where wow in many ways I saw that as one, the first opportunity for me to show them what I can do. Obviously, I have my mm-hmm. portfolio and previous examples of work, but you have to come 
when somebody says, listen, you, you can, this can only be a form of contract if you want it to be, that's an opportunity mm-hmm. to say, you know what, if you show them you're on this, then this can mm-hmm. be a career-defining moment. Yeah. And I said, screw it, now let me give it everything. So mm-hmm. on that piece, I kind of blasted it out in like two days, but I was researching wow. where Mbappe was from, his parents' names, how many brothers he's got, like when he Snapchat. Wow. And I was doing all this deep, this proper deep dive into Mbappe and everything that kind of orbits around him. Um, and then I kind of wrote out a long, um, I don't know how many words, maybe like 1,500 words, uh, like seven subtitles, broke it down into like phases in his career. And then I fed that back up into the team, the, my manager and then our manager, the six above both of us. Um, and, you know, straight away, the feedback was, look, you know, we think this is fire. Like, and you know, Americans, yeah. in it, they're a lot more mm-hmm. casual. <laughs> The guy just sends me a message on Slack with like a fire emoji. I was like, all right, so this is what this is what they're on. Like, this is just cool. Let's chill. Wow. Like, it's cool. Like, it's fire. Like, you know what? That's it. So, fine. Wow. Let's go with them. And from there, literally, with that like affirmation and just saying, listen, we, we like what you're doing. We're here to see more of it. Like, it's never been, I've been pushed like so hard in this role. Mm-hmm. Not just because of the pandemic and obviously the you know the daily difficulties that come sometimes with getting bored from working at home and stuff. But yeah. I've always managed to find another gear because yeah. I have a sick team that I'm working with who are great at what they do as well. I've learned so much from them. But also because I'm charged up to show people what I can do and to show people what black creatives can do when yeah. you put faith into them. You feel yeah. me? Not when you hire them and you give them a long arm and say, yeah, we kind of mm-hmm. trust you, but not really. Yeah, I, said, I want to say worst. this is what happens when you actually fully, like, full-heartedly trust your staff to do their best yeah. work. And because of that kind of faith they've kind of shown in me, I'm paying it back with great work. You feel me? So yeah. everybody's winning. But it's just like a textbook of how to kind of manage kind of a black creative, how to manage diverse talent, how to make diverse talent feel respected and to feel valued in, in the workplace. Yeah. These are two of the biggest things when you're a black person at work that mm-hmm. are going missing in many offices. Respect yeah. and value. You feel me? Yeah. When those things are included, mm-hmm. right, and then you also reach a point in your own practice where you're delivering some of the best work you have because you've learned so much and you've developed so much. Yeah. It all comes together to, to just explode into something mad like it is right now, man. Yeah, that completely, completely agree. Like, you know, again, it goes back to the confidence thing. Mm. You have that confidence through doing everything that you've had. But they've also, like you said, they've instilled that confidence. They said, you know what? We know you got this. Yeah, bro. We're going to give you all the tools. You come and deliver something to us, but Perhaps. we believe in you anyway. And yeah. they're showing it as well. Like, you're delivering work and they say, look, that's great work. And it just, the cycle's repeated as a positive, yeah, bro. you know, repeated cycle. Uh, so I definitely love that. You know what I was going to say? Mbappe's probably seen what you've written, which is going to be the craziest yeah. thing out of all of this. Um, on, oh they my had, gosh, that is... His team had to approve mad. it, bro. His team had to like, approve the word. Yeah, so he's, he's definitely like, definitely seen it. Stuff, That's so. mad. Wow, yeah. you might meet him one day, you know? On bro, soon come in it. I think they were talking about he's going to jump on a Zoom call or something. Ian Wright jumped wow. on a Zoom call. Mad random. Wow. They're like, oh yeah, Killian's gonna make an appearance in the team's room call right now. <laughs> Let's see, bro. <laughs> it's probably gonna happen. I mean, you work at yeah, FIFA, so yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely gonna happen. Um, so what, what um other campaigns have you worked on um recently um, at FIFA? So um, we've got like 
a couple things coming for FIFA 22 that are a bit different. Something called, I don't know if the listeners are big for like FIFA fans, but we're basically diving into like some of the games. Like streets won't forget players, basically. Not the okay. guys that were, not like the Ronaldos and the Zidans, but the guys that are cult heroes below them. Like man like Tim yeah. and like yeah. Jersey Dudek and all these guys that yeah, are like probably yeah. your favourite player in it, them man. Mm-hmm. So there's like a big campaign around them. They're like called the Fuck okay. Heroes. That's going live. And then there's a big new development coming for FIFA 22 called High Promotion. Wow. Um, that we're okay. doing a lot of work around as well. The trailers are online. And, you know, like if you've got a PS5, you're going to enjoy it. You know, without a doubt, the biggest campaign that I've, you know, I've ever you've worked on. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And the thing about it is, this is what I mean about what happens when you trust your staff, man. And when you're in an environment where you don't, it's not an environment where they're like, look, prove me wrong. They're like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Prove us right. You feel me? And that makes such a big difference. Prove yeah. us right. Not prove us wrong. Not battling, battling to get something across. So you're there actually like, okay, cool. Let's try this. But if you want to try this, be accountable and run all the way with it. Don't half yeah. foot it. Give it everything. So this campaign coming up for the launch of FIFA 22, probably it's going to be global. It's going okay. to be everywhere. And it's, it's, it's my words. And... But, uh, wow, so it was you, everywhere. Wow. Bro, and the thing about this is, right, like, I'm I'm, a, I'm quite a superstitious guy, and I don't want to mm-hmm. talk too much about something that's not happened, because like I said in the mm-hmm. past, where I've been excited about things, and they haven't mm-hmm. happened. So I learned yeah. from those experiences and said, you know what, until I see something real, I'm not getting excited. And one of the creative directors, somebody that I've learned so much from in the last year, he set me a task, which at the time I thought was a pistol, to be honest. He said, we want you to come up with 60 different lines for um, all of our ambassadors in wow. 36 hours. Bruv, this guy, I believe he delivered it at 5 o'clock, which is their 9am in, in LA. Mm-mm. And I'm like, so from now until the end of, well, the morning of Thursday or the Tuesday, I'm like, fuck, you want me to do all this by myself? This is the whole work of a creative team, like, this mm-hmm. this kind of work you divvy out between three or four copywriters and an art director each something like that you're giving me a whole chunk of work to do in 36 hours and I was like alright cool wow. I kept it cool because I knew there was something massive on the other side of it it's a career goal that I've always wanted I've always wanted I never wanted a TV advert I never cared about that I always wanted a billboard because with yeah. a billboard you're outside you can see it, you can engage with it, you can take a minute, you could be waiting for the bus, yeah. you can wait for the train. Get you a have picture a moment of it, to, everything. You know yeah. what I'm saying, bro? You can fully mm-hmm. like grasp what it is. Mm-hmm. On the TV, you're battling with other advertisers. And outside, you can actually grasp with the, with the consumer. So yeah. I was like, hold on. So after this, at the end of this 64-person like, sprint, are you telling me it could be my first ever out-of-home advertising campaign or FIFA at the other, at the other end wow. of this? When I thought about that, I was like, okay, you know what? Let me just keep quiet and just battle this shit through. So I locked myself in my office for a day, literally, bro. Like coffees, coffees, like tea, like water, occasionally, like air, light, sunlight, <laughs> occasionally, just battling through. And I delivered it in time. And the response was just like, ah, oh, wicked, man, thanks. I'm like, you know how much I've done to get there? You're just telling me wicked thanks. I'm like, you know what? Let me stay calm again, innit? Staying calm now. And it all goes quiet. This is how it goes with creative work. You could be doing something and then it goes away. Something new comes up. So it all goes quiet for ages. 
And then on a sleepy Tuesday, I'm like, yo, like, what's going on with, you know, like, I spent a lot of time doing those things. I don't think you know like, how difficult that challenge, that was, actually. And he was like, yeah, yeah, we've passed it up to the team. You know, we really like this route. I think we're going to go with this route. And that's where my heart started, started racing for I'm saying. So what, you're, you're telling me this is what you're going for? And bear in mind, when I told you earlier about never giving just one idea, I gave six per ambassador. I gave eight ambassador players, six lines per player, 64. But for me, this is my like, the first big piece. And I was very, like, kind of tentative about how to approach it because I was like, right, yeah. in the past, I thought sick things are happening, but then they fall away. Like, let me just approach this with caution. And now I've done good work. Let me just stay calm. So then he's like, yeah, like, we like this. I think we're going to move with this. I was like, hmm. That's when I first started, like, thinking, well, is this actually happening? And then wow. I get excited till I see something. A couple weeks later, um, there's a lot of things going on in the background. They're working on the, the reveal trailer. They're working on this with the footballers and the clubs. So the out-of-home work kind of gets put in the back burner for a little bit. So maybe three weeks later, still online at, like, seven. Just as I was turning off my computer, I get <laughs> I get a message on Slack. They leave just a cool face emoji, yeah, and then a graphic of what that bit of copy I wrote, those lines of copy I wrote, would look like on a billboard. Yeah. And that was him saying, "This is it." And um, bro, wow, you don't understand, bro. I was losing my shit, bro. First, it was a feeling of like, yeah, just like relief, then joy. Then anger in it, like I had the anger, the vindication, like yeah, that's fucking yeah. right. Like I've been sick, <laughs> I've been dope. But how the fuck I've been passed up bare mm-hmm, times? Can you imagine? Mm-hmm, like, I was mm-hmm, pecked, bro. Mm-hmm. And then I calmed yeah. down again. I was like, you know what? I'm the first in my family to do what I do. I'm the one yeah. of few like black copywriters, one of few Nigerian copywriters that I know. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have a campaign for a brand that I love and a brand that a lot of my peoples love and that yeah. connect with, and for something that I do love, which is football. That's going to be global. And I was just like mm-hmm. taking in the magnitude of it. And I started thinking like, raw, like, it's a blessing really to be able to do something you really love, like to really go for it and yeah. to see it kind of come to life. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy story, especially like from Honestly, where you bro. started off. Uh, and I think sometimes as well, you have to have a bit of that foresight you have to yeah. be a bit future thinking, have a bit, yeah. a leap of faith, essentially, in any oh, fully, walk of life. you got to definitely have that leap of faith because if you're so short-term thinking, you'd have thought to yourself, okay, you know what, I'm going to leave the charity. I'm going to do yeah. something else. I'm not going to try and continue to do something. I think the changing point for you was definitely taking on that internship. I, I read up about it in your book <laughs> and I know it was a difficult decision for yeah. you and you know yeah. and i understood it i got that definitely why you wouldn't have wanted to be an internship uh intern sorry should i say but you thought about bro. the foresight exactly yeah. exactly who, who wants it with a master's as well do you know like come on bro if it, it feels too. disrespectful um it's 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 crazy because i i remember as well i also was an intern at, is it's not even really related to my company and um, my current role I was also intern after masters, and I just, you know what? At that point, I was like, I'm taking any job, whatever job yeah. I can get, I can have, and I think that helped me because I had something. It showed that okay, this guy's got initiative. This guy will mm. work hard. This guy is gonna do what it, it takes, and I think that's what it showed. Yeah. And I think it showed that definitely on your side that it showed. Yeah. They probably looked at your CV and thought, yeah, this guy 
definitely wants to be a copywriter. He's got all the tools. He's been through the wire. He even took an intern role, even though he has got a master's and he and he's done his thing. Yeah, bro. And I think, you know, when we're talking about, like I said, that was a defining moment for a lot of different reasons. Obviously, that was the moment when I was like, you know what? Why the fuck am I looking for validation from an industry that doesn't care? That was one of the massive turning points. But the second huge turning point in fact, three turning points was me also just having to be humble and say, you know what, I have to drop my ego and just look, like you said, at the future, be critical and say, you know what, this is going to benefit me, no matter how painful it might be to my ego and what I think of myself. Fuck it. This is going to benefit me. You have to do it. It was a test from God. It was a test from life. Saying, mm-hmm. Go and do this thing. If you want this thing, then you're going to have to walk on the hot coals in it. And that was what it was. <laughs> but then, coals, yeah. on this, uh, equally, bro, when I got there, I met one of the sickest writers I've ever met. And she, basically, right, when they were interviewing, they cut the, the people they interviewed now for just us two. And it was between me and her for the job. And she basically came in with more experience than the lead copywriter there. Like, she was better than him, like, hands down, bro. And he knew that. And that's what smart managers do. They hire better than them. And he brought her in. And it makes perfect sense. It made perfect sense when I met her. Because they weren't super quiet as well. And I was like, what's going on, man? And on a, it was very like, late on a Wednesday afternoon. They called me up and they're like, yeah, you know, we think the interview went amazing. You know, the team really liked you. They thought you this, thought you that. But we had to offer it to a few persons who had this experience. I was like, oh, okay, man, again. And then, but we actually think... What we want to do is we want to offer you a one-month internship because we think you'd be, you could be amazing with just like you know some experience in the industry or whatever. I was like, I was like, really, really? Like after all that writing task, three and two interviews here, this, that, and the other, meeting the team, all of that stuff, and you want to offer me a one-month internship? So I had to just, I had to really calm down and just. Mm-hmm. Lock off for a minute. I think I spent that weekend at home, bro, where I was just thinking, 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 thinking. And there was all sorts going on that weekend. I'm like, no, I need to really think about my life right now. Who I want to be, where I want to be, whether this is what I need to do to get there. And I recognized that it was a necessary evil, bro. It was something yeah. I had to do to get to where I wanted to get to. So come Monday morning, because they said, you know, take a couple of days to think on it. You know, we know, like, you, 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 we know it's not the response you want. But we think this could be beneficial for you all the same. But if you don't want to yeah. take it up, just let us know. Like, you know, we'll keep you on, on the books, all of that stuff. So Monday morning comes, I said, you know what? I fought on it, I prayed on it, I'm gonna take it. So I just yeah. said, Yeah, let, let's go. And from there, I never thought a month I never thought that internship could do as much as it did to, to my brain. Obviously being twenty six, having had work experience before, and the irony is Towards the end of the internship, bruv, I was already interviewing elsewhere. I was leaving the office to go and interview other companies for permanent roles, bro. Because wow. I came in, I wasn't a kid, you feel me? I'd already had mm-hmm. two years experience in marketing, fair enough. Not exactly copywriting, but I was ready for somebody mm-hmm. to take a chance on me, basically. And they yeah. didn't take the full chance. They took a bit of a chance, but not the yeah. whole chance, you feel me? Now, when I got there, the girl they hired ahead of me... Um, and pretty immediately, actually, I realized that this girl is extremely good at what she does. And this mm-hmm. girl was also mad cool as well. Like she was, okay. there's no, and that's the thing, what you find with people who are very good at what they do, 
There's no airs and graces about them. Yeah. She's not talking about being the best, not talking about... She's just cracking on with it. And I was like, wow, like, this girl is sick. So for that whole month, I'd, like I said, I had to, you know, like, suck in my ego, hold that back. You know what I mean? Like, me thinking, yeah, I'm that guy, I'm that guy, I'm the sickest. And I came in there, and I was like, you know what? I actually understand why they hired this girl. And mm-hmm. I get it, you know what I mean? So I really took that moment of introspection and reflection, and I took that as a moment to learn. And yeah. boy, brother, I learned. Bear off that girl, boy. Honestly, sick writer, sick professional, sick creative, just like very good at what she did. And I took so much away from it, not just as a writer, but as a person. Um, and as I was leaving the agency, the other manager who, he's any man anyways, but <laughs> that guy, bro, can you imagine in the exit interview, yeah, this guy's mm-hmm. asking me, he's like, and I'm thinking, cool, like I've been hired here as a writer. <laughs> Bear in mind, yeah. Bro, I came up with the name that Coca-Cola were waiting for, for yeah, coffee yeah, brand. Yeah, before they went and bought Costa Coffee, they, instead of coming up with a brand, they went and bought Costa. But before that, it was the name that I came up with that kind of stunned the agency that they had decided to go for with their coffee brand. Even that information, they tried to hold back, which was sly, but wow. minor. So, as I'm leaving, the guy's like, oh, you know what? You know, honestly, I just think, you know, like, you know, great writer and great person, but truly your key asset is your personality. And I was just like, wow. He's like, never lose your personality. I was like, my personality? <laughs> Brother, do I look like Richard Blackwood? Am I TV presenter? Wow. <laughs> How can you tell me, a writer, not to lose my personality as I'm leaving the agency, wow. having come up with the name for a brand, mm. a massive brand, that nobody else could? And you're telling me not to lose my personality. That's what you're telling me. It's not a set of keys, is it, mate? Do you know what I'm saying? I'm oh never going to lose my fucking personality. What kind of feedback is that? And that's oh when I realised, these people, they're only going to see you for what they want to see you as. Yeah. If they see you as a personality, as Mr. Funny Guy, as this guy, they're going to kind of discard yeah. everything else about you and focus mm-hmm. on one thing that's easy mm-hmm. for them to palette. They probably couldn't understand. Raw, like this guy bachelor's degree from the University of Lincoln, a master's degree from Central St. Martins. How is he so good at this? They mm-hmm. couldn't compute it, but they don't get yeah. it, man. They don't yeah. understand that things happen in different ways, and especially with black exactly. people where we create our own opportunities. We yep. create our greatness. So it becomes a challenge for them to accept that. Yeah. And I realized, as I was leaving, a man told me not to lose my personality. <laughs> That's when I said, all right, cool. Cool. Gloves are off then. Fuck it. Mm-hmm. About from there, that's when I didn't look back on this journey of saying, you know what, fuck it. I'm on what I'm on, and the brands and the work and the opportunities will follow me. You feel me? Not the other way around. That was the turning point. That was when, you know, I dropped the mic, I dropped the gloves, I dropped the mask and said, fuck it. I'm done. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm on. I'm on this thing, and I'm on a militant thing, and I'm militantly chasing my goals, and I know the right opportunities, the right brands, the right people, the right teams will come, and that's what's happened, bro. Got that's, fan brilliant. Going, that's brilliant. No, you you definitely definitely have to. And is you see, this is why I wanted you to to come on the pod because that is is an all round great story of you know sacrifice, you know being resilient, thinking forward, and working hard, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah, taking those opportunity, taking getting ready to take your opportunities to learn from people. You know what? I think a lot of people sometimes can't be honest with themselves. You mm. know, okay, 
they think they're at point Z, but really they may, might be at point B, maybe point C. And they just can't be honest with themselves and be like, you know what? I need some a bit more training. I need it to yeah. learn of somebody and just humble themselves. And you, and you did that. You humbled yourself and now but you're I a think, FIFA. You know what I mean? I thought, you're so right though, bro. You're 100% right. Because I thought I was at bro Z, or sorry, uh, Zone Z. Mm-hmm. But bro, when they told me, we're offering you a one month opportunity as a writer. And I was like, fuck's sake, fine. But when I got there and I saw actually the caliber of writer they had there, I was like, actually, no, I'm not at Rosie because this person who would never even say she's at Rosie because she has that um, humility, I'm at row B and mm-hmm. I need to learn and pattern up if I'm going to get there. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So you're so right about just looking at opportunities. Life told me, listen, you're not ready yet. But you can be ready if you listen to what's in front of you. If you take this role, if you take this opportunity, if you take, you know, make something out of nothing, which is what you've done throughout your whole career in many ways, through your whole life, man. You've made things happen for yourself. Do it again. Do it again. Yeah. Don't be so egotistical and so big on yourself that you can't just be humble enough to say, no, I need to learn. And from that moment, bro, like my whole approach to life, my whole attitude to, to listening, I never used to listen to anybody. Ever, ever, bro. I was so bullish and bullheaded, and you know, and mm-hmm. it's a good thing and a bad thing. But mm-hmm. since that time, I've become a lot more reflective, a lot more what's it, receptive to people's opinions mm-hmm. on things. Even though I'm still gonna listen to myself first, but I'm still mm-hmm. now willing to actually absorb the counsel of people from from the outside, yeah. essentially, and take on what they need, what they want to say, and. You don't take on everything, but you actually you look at it, you analyze it, and you decode what can benefit you and what can't. Um, yeah, bro, it's been a mad one, so. But it's, like you say, it's, I'm been, it's, now, it's been a crazy journey, and Honestly, you documented bro. a lot of this journey in your book. So yeah. talk to me about how the idea came up for your book. You know what? Like I was describing it to my friend, I liken mm. it more like. It's a book, but it's also it's, it's designed like a magazine, which I think is quite yeah. refreshing. It's yeah, designed yeah. like a magazine. It's not like your typical, you know, your little short book with bare pages. Oh. Um, so, yeah, t- talk to me about how, how you came up with the idea of writing it, what the uh, process of, of doing that is, and whether you're, you're going to do a part two. Okay. So, basically, you know, like I used to do, you know, like then spoken word videos, I used to rap a little mm-hmm. bit here and there. And I was always working towards doing like a live performance night or spoken word night or like dropping a project or something. Like I was going to do something that was, that kind of packaged up the growth, you know, that mm-hmm. journey. But I didn't know what it was. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, oh man, this is, I can't do anything live. I can't have a live performance night or anything like that. And I've been writing all these like little things on the train. Like, I've never really like structured them in a big way. It wasn't like a novel. It wasn't like a sh- mm-hmm. it was just like writing on, when I had time, um, like short scripts and some some of those things were scripts before that just turned like reframed into short stories. Some were just like poetry pieces, all kinds of things. And um, I just thought after I came back from Japan, I was like, well, like, I need to really just get this shit going. Like, what am I waiting for? So I said, F it. Like, I've had all these experiences. Why don't I just turn them into, like, a book? Like, a yeah. zine, almost. And I kind of, like, I liken it to a mixtape, almost. Because it's kind of like, you know, some rough ideas, some more fleshed out than others, some more rough than others. But it's all there, isn't it, in front of you. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I started, you know, bubbling with this idea. And at the time, I was dating this chick who worked for Penguin. And they had this program for uh, young black male writers specifically. Wow. So she was like, listen, I think you'd be great for this. You know, like, let me put you forward. And she put me forward. And again, this is why I always talk about the power of networking. Even though we were dating, it was still like a networking thing all the same. But anyway, um, she put me forward. I had a couple conversations with them and things were positive. I was like, wow, like, this has come out of nowhere. But somehow... These random like little things that I write on the train, on the bus, or where, like wherever I am, is now possibly going to turn into a published piece of work. I'm thinking this is a mad. Wow. So that was happening, and that was forcing me every time I was going in and I was writing edits and that you know we need this better and this better and that better. And the process was sharper than me up as a writer, as, a, as an editor actually. And um, basically, they decided to go ahead with another guy who had been maybe more. He had a bigger profile at the time. He was actually a full-time writer. That was his job. Okay. So he was way more inducted. It wasn't just some side thing that he does on the bus or the train where it was for me. But they pushed him out. You know what? Fair play. You know, that's it. And this is what he does. He's dedicated his, his, his life and 20s to this craft. Fair play. You know. But I said, you know, not all hope is lost. They told me it's like really good things, good feedback. And I said, F it. Like, I myself published this thing. But like you said, and like you mentioned, in a different way. Not just yeah. like a normal book in a way that gets people's attention, makes people want to share it and kind of get other people interested. So then I started looking for designers to help me bring mm. this vision to life. And okay. I found a sick guy who worked, worked for an agency and he was looking for like a side project. We started collaborating. After work, we link up at like prep, this place, that place, just coming up with ideas, building out this vision um, and eventually landed on something pretty cohesive. So once that was made, like the visuals looked sick and I had like a whole sick di- like design direction and all that stuff. Then the challenge was getting this book printed because the whole time, yeah. bro, I didn't know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was like, I want to make okay. something, but what am I doing? Am I going to give it out for free? Like, am I going to, mm-hmm. you know, and if I was, basically I got a number of quotes right at the start and printers in London are stupid money. They were okay. telling me, I only wanted to print off 100 copies. That's all I printed. In the mm-hmm. And they were telling me it's going to cost me 2K. It's going to cost what? me this amount, this amount. And I said, this is mad. So what happened was, where my office was in Oxford Street, mm-hmm. every day I'd go out to another printer that was local, and the price kept on dropping. What, 2K, uh, 1,500, 1,200, 1,100. They, 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 they kept on dropping, kept on dropping, until eventually mm-hmm. I found a printer based in Brighton. Your old town, isn't it? Okay, and, um, okay. Yeah, they got right. <laughs> couple good nights at Digital Wear. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, Memory lane, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so after that, I found the printer in, in Brighton and they said they were gonna they're able to reproduce the print that I wanted. I sent them a magazine that I thought had a good finish so they could uh, replicate it because a lot of the price was in the finish. You know how okay. the book was mad colourful, mad designs and yeah. that. So yeah. it was if we all printed it glossy, that'll bring it up to eight, nine hundred pounds. If you do it matte, wow. then it's six and I was like, oh, all this budgeting, all this budgeting. Mm-hmm. And um finally got it printed for I think four hundred pounds. Well maybe wow. three 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 eighty or something. Um for hundred copies. Obviously I sold them for ten pounds a pop. I made a good return on that and I paid the designer out of my salary money £700. So I wanted to make it like a, a standalone project, a kind okay. of MVP to see 
what I could do as a freelancer, basically. That was yeah. like my vision. Even though I was employed, I was thinking about the pandemic. I was thinking, I'm getting a bit bored of this job. Like, what if mm-hmm. I do this thing, take this leap? So like I said, I was able to take this risk from a position of strength this time because I had a role, I had a full-time job, I was comfortable. Yeah. And I moved back home as well. That's another massive part of this development I've been able to make. I've done it from home, so I haven't been paying rent. I've been obviously contributing to the house and renovating it right now, but that's made things a lot easier. Anyways, printed the books off. Um, mm-hmm. They all sold out through lockdown. Obviously, a lot of friends bought them, but then what I was most surprised about is the fact that a lot more people that I didn't know were buying them through yeah. second hands from people seeing them, from people hearing about this. They're like, well, what's this thing? And I was like, oh, I did. all of this snowballed out of the fact that I could have easily seen Penguin passing on taking up this collection of short stories as a negative. But I said, you know what? Again, once again, I'm going to roll the dice. Let me see yeah. what happens. Let me see if I can self-publish this, what I can turn this into. And it just snowballed into this completely different thing. Um, obviously, from a like a business point of view, it was a, it was a great like first run and a great like a bit of practice and all that. But then, also, I can't forget that I was saying things that I never said to many people, to people yeah. I'd never met before. So yeah. it was another level of like growth because I'm exposing like my stories and like my past mm-hmm. and all that and certain things that I've never like addressed. And I'm like, raw, this is mad, and people are buying into this. So I'm like, okay, cool, like it's interesting. I can do more of this. Obviously, definitely. I've parked that definitely. now, but I will. Yeah, man, definitely. I'm looking to do something else pretty soon. I think the next big goal for me is actually to get published in it. I want to write a okay. book. Yeah, in the next two okay. years, that's like my big, yeah, wow. my big goal. Yeah, but I want that next. But you know, with the way everything else has gone, boy, it will happen. But it won't be in a it way. Will, it will happen. Bro. Yeah, I was gonna ask you: Is it gonna be? Is it gonna be a similar format, like the magazine type format? Is that how you're gonna wanna do it if you if you get published? Because you know, many of those stories I tried Mm -hmm. to make into films, and I can't stress enough the importance of trying. You know, I've always made like little videos and little star and this Mm -hmm. and that. Like I've always, I've tried so many different things: making music, directing, Mm -hmm. editing, writing, planning, like all of these things, and. You just can't knock trying. But mm-hmm. with the next one, it will be very much more like a novel. Do you know what I mean? That's what okay. I want next for myself. And I think, I don't know, I'm reaching that point. I'm almost 30 now and like, pretty settled in my life. And I'm thinking, like, well, like, is it time now? I think you get more of an appetite for risk, I think, the older yeah. you get and the more financially secure you are in it. So I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know what? Let me roll the dice again. Obviously, with all the new, with all the stuff I know now, I could turn that into a pretty compelling story. So, yeah, man, I want to do that. I want to get it published as well. And I think there's a massive appetite for black perspectives in, in writing mm-hmm. and literature these days. So, you know, I'm seeing all sorts. I'm seeing Mandem here getting published and Gardem here getting published and sick things happening all around. So I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. fuck it. My turn, man. Let me add my story into the mix. It's definitely, definitely, definitely possible. And I think with the style and just the rawness of what you wrote, I think that there's definitely a gap in the market for that. You know, you might even get published by Murky Books if you if you hit Bro. him up. You never know, right? Because no that's who he's man. looking for. That's who. That's the voices he's trying to amplify, right? He's trying to amplify, you know, black voices because those voices are unheard at the moment. So mm. yeah, definitely, I would definitely encourage you to to do another one. And you said something very important about trying. It's right. Yeah. You have to always try because that's how you got to improve, right? That's how you got to improve. Six Honestly. months, one year, 
you know, if you don't try to do something, you're not going to get better at it. You can't just imagine it's like asking Ronaldo to be Ronaldo at the age of 18 or Messi. That's not how it worked, right? Exactly. They had to play football. They had to keep on practicing, 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 practicing. 10,000 hours, 20,000 hours to become the best. So you have to right. apply that same logic to anything that you're doing in life and just Absolutely. have like a long-term, you know, um, thought process to it. So yeah, man, your your journey's been so inspirational. Uh, it's been like yeah. a pleasure to, to speak to you about it, man. Um, tell the people where they can find you, um, what you're going to be working on next. So, um, all, across all my channels, I'm going to stay up. D-A-M-O-L-A S-T-A-Y-U-P got my website that's damalastayup.com damalastayup on IG Twitter um, across all my channels my next big things um, bro this has been like my Jordan year you know <laughs> bro, six feet lie. wait three feet three feet bam I've had the Nike campaign at the top of the year mm-hmm. then the Maggie campaign and now like the what's coming next by God's grace yeah. the, the next thing for FIFA later on in the summer um, that's, you know, that's where my head's at right now. But once that's out, yeah, man, I'll start thinking again about something different on the side. Because one thing I'll say is, because essentially I used my side hustle to kind of become, to enter the industry that I've entered. Yeah. But when that happens, I always say this, if you are a hustler, which I am, mm-hmm. and if I'm talking to fellow hustlers, because you're a hustler too, and listeners that mm-hmm. are hustlers as well, don't forget the methods that got you where you are. Yeah, just because 100%. you're doing big campaigns for this brand and that brand, mm-hmm. never forget the practice. What helped you get better? Mm-hmm. You can yeah. never forget because when you forget those, that's how those are what, in, what Michael Jordan would call his fundamentals: mm-hmm. the yeah. footwork, you know, the the handling. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? The movement. 100%. You know what I mean? Like the fundamentals. You can't forget the basics that make you good at what you do. Yeah. So that's one thing I've had to remind myself of recently, and I'm cooking up a little side thing later on in the summer just to re- keep that like that element sharp you can never lose that when you lose that you lose your competitive edge man yeah. so 100% you know, it's about the fundamentals honour thy art I learned Honestly, that from bro. Eric Thomas honour thy art yeah man Eric Thomas is uh, yeah yeah he's somebody that I definitely look up to and it's very true you have to honour the craft and every craft Amen. has fundamentals you have to Facts. definitely practice it consider it don't forget them completely best way to to defer and end this chat have you got any um parting words any sources of wisdom for the people it sounds so cliche but whatever it is you believe in whatever it is you're striving for towards don't listen to anyone like mm-hmm. stay stay strong-headed about your vision and how you want to do something Everybody has an idea of what they want for you. But when, and you can easily get swayed, but that's when it becomes all about how strong your feet are. How much do you believe? You have to always ask yourself that question. And when you define that, then you ask yourself how far you're willing to go. And when you combine those two things, how much you believe and how far you're willing to go for what you believe in, mm-hmm. the sky's the limit, man. Straight up. Yeah. 100%. Sky's the limit. 100%. 100% man Love thank you bro. so thank much you for your time man no chat. man it's a pleasure we're gonna have we're gonna have chat, another man. one after yeah. your campaign oh, my my gosh, God. I appreciate gosh. you man I appreciate you brother thank you appreciate you nice too um, thanks so much listeners thanks for listening yeah, to this episode up. of The Takeoff and we'll see you next week
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 